Good morning, everyone. It's the 6th of April. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Nal McDonnell and Asim Kadri. It was another risk on week, despite an early bout of volatility in the US markets, as the Arteos funds were unwound. And there's a potential knock-on there of heavy losses for investment banks in Europe and Japan, too. But the big story of the week was President Biden's pitching of his new infrastructure stimulus package. We're talking massive numbers again here, Nile. Yes, indeed, Lorna. Good morning. Yeah, President Biden unveiled his long-anticipated infrastructure package, nicknamed the American Job Plan. And while it's smaller than the $3 trillion he quoted during his election campaign, it's still quite staggering at a $2.3 trillion package. It's very broad, um, but some of the key features include repairing roads, bridges, public transport, as well as installing more than 500,000 electric vehicle charging points. Included in the plan is $213 billion to go towards preserving retrofitting more than 2 million homes across the country, making them more energy efficient, largely using tax credits and grants to make building and renovating more affordable. There's also $180 billion directed towards investment in research and development in areas like AI, as artificial intelligence and biotechnology, um, and aimed at really improving competitiveness with China. I think what's interesting in terms of the themes is a lot of the spending is going towards projects to help the US mitigate climate crisis, um, which the Biden administration has vowed to tackle head on. And it's a big shift from you know, the scepticism and approach that under the former president, Donald Trump. I thought what was quite pertinent was also the Moody report, which Biden quoted, which said that they estimate about 19 million jobs will be created by 2030. And this is all part of the building back better that Biden promised us. It's smaller, as you say, than the three trillion we were all talking about a couple of weeks ago. But how will this spending be financed, do you think? Well, quite controversially from a Republican's perspective, the plan is to increase corporate taxes. So increasing the corporate tax rate from 21% to 28%, um, repealing some tax loopholes for tangible income, um, ending some tax fuel breaks as well. Um, so the corporate tax increases, though, they're expected to be phased in over 15 years, which is beyond the US government's traditional 10-year budget window. So we are going to see you know, a projected increase in the American deficit during that time. This isn't the, the end of it. There's a second packet that due to be unveiled later in the year, and that's where it's expected that uh, President Biden is going to increase taxes on wealthy individuals, including income, capital gains, and also estates. Very much as promised in his election campaign. And how did the Treasury bond markets take all this? Were they calm? Um, well, I think U.S. Treasury and global government bond markets, they weren't extremely volatile, uh, given recent experiences. And there was a modest decline in prices with yields rising. So just a reminder, bond prices and yields move in opposite directions. So when we see uh, yields rise, bond prices will fall. So U.S. 10-year was up about five basis points to one spot six, seven. Also, what was being pro was being digested by the market was on Thursday, we've seen some uh, weekly jobless claims. So there was some poor job data that came out, um, which led to a reversion of some of that fall we've seen on bond prices. Now, the story this morning yeah, that, we, that we've seen just breaking about is the move higher last night and the surprise increase in the ISM data. So, you know, positive, very positive soft data coming out of the US. And we've seen some of the US uh, Treasury markets respond with, uh, you know, some bond prices prices selling off and yields rising as we speak. Yes, as you'd expect. But if you turn to China now, Asim, there were somewhat conflicting macro stories. Firstly, the PMI numbers there came in very strongly. 
Hi Lorna, yes that's right. So China's official PMI figures showed that economic activity accelerated in March with both manufacturing and non-manufacturing, i.e. services, readings coming in ahead of consensus expectations with a sharp rebound. If you may recall that January and February had shown slight declines in the readings amid signs of the economic recovery slowing. However, the figures from March were encouraging, particularly on the demand side, with domestic demand conditions recovering notably after the Lunar New Year period, whilst external demand conditions continue to benefit from the global recovery. The Chinese currency market seemed troubled. Could it be that the Chinese economy is proving a victim of its own success to a certain extent? Yes, certainly to some extent. So given China has recaptured its pre-pandemic economic growth rate and the economy is above trend, policy stimulus in China is being withdrawn. And there are expectations that authorities will tighten financial conditions this year, which certainly could weigh on growth and slow the rapid economic recovery. At the same time, uh, the outlook for the rest of the world has improved and the global recovery is gathering steam. And this has been reflected in both bond markets, but also currency markets, as you alluded to. So March was the worst month for China's currency against the US dollar since the trade war with the US in August 2019, more than a year and a half ago. And that's a sharp contrast to the strength in the Chinese currency that we've seen over the last year amid the robust economic rebound. Yes, indeed. And finally, if we could just look at the trade situation. As in the Suez Canal is no longer blocked, but the backlog of ships will take some time to clear. It's certainly not easing the path of trade from China towards the West. Yes, that's right. Uh, so clearly the COVID pandemic led to significant disruptions in manufacturing and supply chains. And as you touched upon, these were clearly exacerbated by the Suez Canal blockage uh, a couple of weeks back. So an area where these difficulties are being borne out in particular is in the electronics components space. As last week, Apple supplier and the world's largest contract electronics manufacturer, Foxconn, said that the global shortage of electronics is worsening and is expected to last until next year. And that'll mean that the company won't be able to fill some of its orders for this year. So given Foxconn makes electronic components for all of the leading tech brands globally, clearly it's a key driver of trends in consumer electronics manufacturing, and this supply shortage could have a wide reaching impact. Yes, that's interesting. And on the radar this week, we have spring meetings from the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. We'll be looking for support there for low middle income countries and their pandemic responses, including, of course, vaccine rollouts to make that a truly global programme. But again, the big news will be this new infrastructure plan in the US. Now, how do you think Congress will respond? Well, the Republicans have already been quite vocal about their strong objections to the structure plan. And they've began circling the wagons and really getting their troops in line to fight and be quite contentious with their objections to the plan. I think, though, with the strength that the Democrats have with control over the Senate um, and with control over Congress, they also have a split Senate with Kamala Harris having the deciding vote. Um, there, we are expecting that they, they should be able to largely pass uh, most of the plans that they've had in place. But we have seen some of the more progressive sides of the Democratic Party, you know, thinking that they're not going, uh, that the plan doesn't go far enough. So we're we're expecting the plan to get through, but I think there will be some bumps along the road from both sides of the houses within, within the government. Should be some interesting debate there. Thank you both very much indeed. Thanks, Lorna. Thanks, Lorna.